This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source, like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. A licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. Slater in three, two, one. You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Hey, America's greatest country in the world. Thanks for being here. Happy uh, Saturday. So I want to chat about California in general. Nestle just uh, announced the other day that they're moving their U.S. headquarters out of Glendale, taking 1,300 jobs with them. And the politician's response in Glendale is basically good riddance. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's good riddance. Uh, we're, we're really into the tech technology jobs now. So you can go ahead and take your, your hot pockets out of here. Like, what do you... it's, it's unbelievable, this state. It's, it's nearly impossible to live here. So I want to talk about the Oroville Dam. You may have heard of this. Uh, made some national news here and there. It's a perfect metaphor for California. The Oroville Dam is a perfect, perfect metaphor for the state. So I want to build to that, but I want to start here. You may have heard this a couple weeks ago. Kevin DeLeon, he is the leader of the state Senate in California, representing part of L.A. And there's a bill that was proposed to make California a sanctuary state. So forget about sanctuary cities. California, as a state, would not comply in any way with the federal government on immigration issues. Okay, that's the proposal. So the leader of the Senate gets up and says, quote, half of my family would be eligible for deportation under the executive order because they've got a false social security card. They got a false identification. Half of my family, they have a false driver's license. They have false green card. And anyone who has family members who are undocumented knows that almost entirely everybody has secured some form of false identification. He just admitted that half of his family is fake everything, fake green card. Good night. So a couple of things. First, he meant to, he said this as a way to like get sympathy out of the people of California, right? With, 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 with the, the old, listen, we're all just trying to make a living here. Am I right? Am I right, people of California? We're all just trying to, to provide for our families. <laughs> that, that was, that's the attempt. Meanwhile, the rest of the state's like, well, yeah, but I don't break the law trying to do it. That's, so, so you're not going to get a lot of sympathy with that one. Second point, Victor Davis Hanson, one of my favorite people, professor uh, at Stanford now. Uh, he wrote last month, he said, in California... The neglect of the felony 
requires the rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. I love that line. That's, uh, let me, let's sit on this for a second. The neglect of the felony. So this is a metaphor here for important things. The neglect of important things, serious things, requires rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. Less serious things, less important things. All right, so what does this mean in, in practice? Uh, well, our governor... Jerry Brown has released more parolees than, than any governor. 2,000 of them were serving life sentences. Life sentences released on parole. Are you kidding me? Life, it's one thing that maybe someone's serving a, a couple of years, you give them parole. Life sentences, you get parole. 2,000. But, but in California, it's against the law to use plastic grocery bags. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. So literally going to release felons like that, like literally going to release felons serving a life, life sentence. But you law abiding citizen, who's going to go to the grocery store to buy some food. You can't use plastic grocery bags. Neglected the felony, rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. So illegal immigrants. Yeah, sure. Fake green car driver's license. Yeah, no, no big deal. That's fine. But you, law-abiding citizen, oh, 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 we are gonna wreck you. We are. Oh, you want? Oh, you want to protect your family with a gun? That's cute. That's cute. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. Oh, but you, illegal immigrant family, sure, you guys can do whatever you want. That's amazing, right? But that that's what this is. Let me uh, share a story here from Victor Davis Hanson, Professor Hanson. He says, on my rural street, he lives in Fresno. There are two residences not far apart. In one shacks dot the lot there are dozens of porta potties wrecked cars and unlicensed and unvaccinated dogs all untouched by the huge tentacles of the state's regulatory octopus nearby another owner is being regulated to death as he tries to rebuild a small burned house his well after 30 years is suddenly discovered by the state to be in violation under a new regulation governing the allowed distance between his well and the septic drain. So he drills another costly well. Then his neighbor's agricultural well is suddenly discovered to be by the state regulators too close as well. So he breaks up sections of his expensive new leach line. And after a new septic system has been built by a licensed contractor and a new well was drilled by a licensed well driller, he has, after a year, $40,000 poorer still not been permitted to even start to rebuild his 900-square-foot house. In the former case, the owner of porta-potties and shacks clearly cannot pay and belongs to an exempt class of the other. The latter owner is a rare law-abiding Californian, and so he has a regulatory target on his back because he's someone of the vanishing middle class who can and will do and pay as ordered. He is an endangered species whose revenue-raising torment is necessary to exempt others from the same ordeal. That is California. That's a perfect example of what it is. You get some people who don't abide by the law, don't follow the law, don't care about the law, and the government exempts them. And then you get other people who are law-abiding, 
and they pay and they do as ordered and they have to pay more and more and more in order to allow others to be exempt, right? In order to fund this state. There's California. Now, there's, I don't want to get too off topic here because I want to give an example of this. Uh, I want to bring this to the dam coming up next. But California is also, or what I just explained with there, is, is a great symptom of the, the city versus country divide. California is mostly country. Look at a, a county by county map of California, and it's all red. It's all red, except for the coast. The coasts are blue, but the whole rest of the place is red. I can go, well, I, I happen to live a little bit inland already, but where I used to live, Mission Beach, right on the ocean, or uh, right on the beach, is um, if I went 25 minutes inland, 20 minutes, I'm in basically rural Kentucky. Like, I'm not even kidding. It's like super country. You got the lakeside rodeo and all like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like super, super country in this crazy state. So what I just described right there is, is the classic city versus country divide. Now you're saying, well, hold on. Those two houses that the professor described, they're both in the country. Yes. But the people making the regulations and the people deciding who are exempt from them our city folk. One last quote here from Hanson. The rich on the coast tune out. From her nest in Rancho Mirage, a desert oasis created by costly water transfers, outgoing Senator Barbara Boxer rails about water transfers. When Jerry Brown leaves his governorship, he will not live in Bakersfield, but probably in hip Grass Valley. High crime, the flight of small businesses and water shortages water shortages cannot bound the fences of Nancy Pelosi's Palladian Villa or the security barriers and walls of Mark Zuckerberg and other Silicon Valley billionaires who press for more regulation and for more compassion for the oppressed, but always from a distance and always from the medieval assumption that their money and privilege exempt them from the consequences of their idealism. There's no such thing as an open border for a neighbor of Mr. Zuckerberg or of Ms. Pelosi. Right, so the people making these regulations, they're city folk. They're exempt from the consequences of making them, but sure, they they sure do feel good about themselves after they make them. How does a state survive when the laws are not enforced on some people, and harassingly so, on others? Talking about the haves and the have-nots. This is the Oroville Dam. I'll bring it to that next. And wait until you hear some of these stories about our water situation in California. It is insane. One, it, now, on, let me say this too. I should have started with this. I used to live in Tennessee. When I lived in Tennessee, I would do segments talking about California. Because California is a crystal ball for what's to come. In your state. If you don't heed the warnings. California is the beginning of the progressive movement. It's like the, the, the test case of progressive causes in the country. So if you do nothing, if you sit back, this is, the, this is where you're going to be like too. And if you don't like what I'm describing right now, then make note of it and do the opposite. So that's why it's important, even if you're listening now in uh, a normal state. one 933 Slater Radio on Twitter. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. 
You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Any home or business can quickly become infested with mold with the introduction of a water source like a roof or plumbing leak. When your home, your belongings, or your business becomes damaged, it's not just about cleaning up the mess, it's about reclaiming your life. And that's why you need to call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline, a licensed, fully insured, affordable, non-invasive solution to solving any water and mold problems. Our team of trained specialists are available with 24-7 emergency service. We will quickly evaluate your problem and give you a plan that will guarantee results. Water causes damage and mold can spread throughout your property in as little as 48 to 72 hours and can produce allergens and irritants that have the potential to cause serious health hazards. So don't waste time. Give us a call now. For any water or mold problems, call the Water and Mold Removal Hotline. Call 800-442-7043 today for a free estimate. That's 800-442-7043. 800-442-7043. So the Oroville Dam, second largest dam in California, 90 minutes north of Sacramento, built in 1961 and 1968. Now remember, a couple of years ago in California, there was a never-ending drought. It's never going to rain again. No one can take showers anymore. We got to stop all farming. No more green lawns. That's a thing of the past. Our governor, Jerry Brown, said green lawns are a thing of the past in California. I guarantee his lawn is still green, but... That's what he said. I'm not kidding. And I'm only exaggerating about those first two about don't take showers anymore and stop off farming. The point is that we were told just two years ago that we'll never have sufficient rainfall again. Now, I want to be clear here. A drought is different from a water shortage. Of course, there's a drought. Like I'm in San Diego. This is a desert. San Diego's a desert. Of course, there's a drought. But that doesn't mean there has to be a water shortage. There's no excuse for a water shortage. Because it's 2017 and there should, we should have plenty of dams and water storage for these cyclical and predictable drought periods. Now, when there was a drought and water levels were low, we should have been building more water storage capacity. That hasn't been done in decades. Here we are today, and the dams are all overflowing. I'm not kidding. They're overflowing. They're all, there's 12 state, uh, state-run state reservoirs. They're all well above historic average, 150% above historic average. And some of them are overflowing, like Oroville. For every gallon of water that's pumped to the people of California, three and a half gallons are dumped into the ocean. I'm not kidding. Now, we'll do a little quick back, back of the napkin math. And I share this. You're not in California. You're like, Slater, who cares? Just so that you, you question everything that politicians tell you. Because, oh, we're in a drought. Now, we, they convinced so many people in California that we were in a never-ending drought, 2014, that people in California passed a $7 billion water bond, and none of it went to water. Okay? This is why you got to know that every time they say something, they're lying especially when it's a crisis-related thing because that gives them more power and, and excuse to raise taxes. Um, 
What was I going? Is it the one? Oh, yeah. I'm doing very generous math here. Very, very conservative math. About 12, now I've got 10 uh, million acre feet of water in the last 12 months have been dumped into the ocean. Now, again, super conservative. You get about one family of four consumes an acre foot of water a year. It's actually two families of four, but I'm going to go one family of four just to make it better for my point. One family of four consumes about an acre foot of water a year. That means there's enough water that we dumped into the ocean just the last year for 40 million people. There's 38 million people in California. There's plenty of water. We just keep pumping it into the ocean. What's going on? You're probably wondering, why don't you just build more water storage capacity? Hasn't been done in decades. Here's why. Jerry Brown, our governor, and the left, progressives, the environmentalists, they don't want more water storage. This is what's so interesting about this. It's Let me try to do this as clear as possible. It's not like the people of California are saying, hey, we need to increase water storage by a million gallons. I'm just making up a number. We need to increase it by a million. And the governor's saying, well, a million's kind of a lot. Let's increase it by 800,000. Okay, fine, 800,000. That's not what's happening. It's the people are saying, Jerry Brown, we got to increase water storage. And Jerry Brown's saying, ah, how about we decrease it? Wait, what? Yeah, I think we got too much water storage. No, no, no. We don't have nearly enough water storage. Well, ah, no, we're going to have less. We're totally back and totally opposite. Jerry Brown subscribes to a, an, an environmental philosophy, small is beautiful. This is a philosophy he got from a close friend of his, E.F. Schumacher, um, in the 70s. They were such close friends, Jerry Brown flew to London to speak at his funeral. Okay, The idea is, don't grow. Okay, Small is beautiful, less is more. Limit growth. How do we limit growth? Well, make electricity really expensive. Higher taxes. Less water. Jerry Brown proposed a couple months ago what he calls the road diet, where he said we're not going to build or improve our current road infrastructure so that it becomes so unbearable to drive that people will be forced to use mass transit. Okay, that, that's, that's, Cal, that's our governor. That's, that's what's happening here. That, that's his philosophy when it comes to infrastructure. Now, you would think the government's job is to provide these things. Jerry Brown thinks it's his job to ration these things to his liking. And I love it whenever uh, you know a conservative says, you know, government's too big. We don't need government. I love it. This, you remember this during the Tea Party. Progressives will come back and be like, oh, yeah, well, if there was no government, who would build the roads? And it's like, well, you don't even want roads. <laughs> you don't want roads. You don't want people to use cheap electricity. You don't want people to use water. So what are you doing? Well, it's the government's job to limit those things and ration those things. Now, this is very different from, obviously, a sane, rational philosophy, but also very different from his dad. Jerry Brown's dad was governor, Pat Brown. He was governor when a 1,000 people a day were moving to California. And he embraced this, and he met this with huge projects. 
huge uh, uh, infrastructure projects, not just for the sake of creating jobs, but for the sake of creating an environment where free people could create jobs. Pat Brown um, built built these giant dams. He was a part of building them. He was about a part of building the, the, the highways, uh, the public school system, like the UC system, and power plants. Total opposite. Like, like Pat Brown built them or was governor when they were built. He had the vision for them. Jerry Brown's tearing them down. There's a nuclear power plant about 10 minutes or 20 minutes from where I'm sitting right now. They tore it down. Standing over, they just tore it down for no reason. It's unbelievable. Pat Brown saw the earth as something that could be changed to benefit humans. Okay, we're going to put a dam here. We're going to increase water storage. We're going to pipe the water down to Southern California so people can live there. That's Pat Brown. Jerry Brown, his son, sees the earth as as something fragile and humans are a disease to it. This is why the water bond that I told you about, where you're like, what do you mean the money doesn't go to water? A lot of the money, billions of dollars, goes to what's called rewilding, removing dams so that the rivers are restored to their natural state. I'm not even joking. We're going we're gonna to eliminate dams, decrease, get rid of water storage. We're saying we need to build more dams or increase the capacity of dams. And Jerry Brown's saying, nah, how about we tear them down to rewild the river? It is insane. Absolutely insane. The weather's nice. But everything else. Slater Radio on Twitter, one 93 Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. This is Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. How are you? Here's the line. In California, the neglect of the felony requires the rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. So the neglect of important things, the neglect of more serious concerns, requires the rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. That's how California is run. I want to quote here. And, and so the Oroville Dam is a great example. Okay. The Oroville Dam, I would put... Our water infrastructure, by the way, if you, if you haven't been, I think this made national news here and there, uh, dam, Northern California, second largest in the state, uh, it's overflowing and the spillover is all busted and not properly maintained, even though over a decade ago, people were like, ah, oh, that thing's not, that's going to break. So it, it broke, it eroded the side of the hill. Um, there's a chance if it rains, continues to rain this weekend, that the erosion continues, the dam busts. If that's true then the town underneath would be under 100 feet of water. And Yuba City, which is a little further down, would be about 10 feet underwater. And that's why 200,000 people were evacuated. So it's pretty serious. Um, that's a, I think that's, that's priority number one of government. Well, priority number one is safety, right? Public safety. Number two is all the infrastructure stuff. But they're not worried about that. They're worried about banning plastic bags at grocery stores. In California, you can't use plastic bags. There's no plastic bags anymore. This is just voted on by the people in November. It's amazing. We voted on this. It was a statewide proposition. Something like 60% of people voted to ban plastic bags. The next day, 
everyone goes to the grocery store and there's a big sign. It's like, sorry, no plastic bags. And everyone's freaking out. Like, what do you mean no plastic bags? And everyone's like, literally yesterday you voted on this. Yesterday you voted no plastic bags. And now here we are, no plastic bags. You should have, there are signs put up in grocery stores that said, please don't harass the baggers and the checkout people. They didn't vote for this. You did. People are so stupid here. Anyway, that's my point, right? The, the neglect of the felony, rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. Neglect of important things, rigid prosecution of not important things. Now, specifically on, on, on infrastructure and the environment, Jerry Brown believes that humans are a disease on the planet. I'm not kidding. This is a speech... Um, 2015, Jerry Brown, our governor, for over 10,000 years, people lived in California. But the number of these people were never more than 300,000 or 400,000. Now we are embarked upon an experiment that no one has ever tried. 38 million people with 32 million vehicles living at the level of comfort that we all strive to attain. This will require adjustment. This will require learning. In other words, just government rationing and control. I love that 32 million vehicle part. All right, that's, that's Jerry Brown's plug for the high-speed rail. All right, that's a great example. Great example. We're not going to improve road infrastructure, but we're going to build a $100 billion high-speed rail line that no one wants and no one needs and really isn't even that fast. Total absolute waste of money in every single possible conceivable way. Don't even get me started on that total boondoggle. He goes on, and, uh, and I've heard other people say that, that Mother Nature didn't intend for 40 million people to live in California. Says who? What are you talking about? What do you mean Mother Nature didn't intend? Like, I, I love that. Like, I can't, I can't, if you're going to uh, uh, quote Mother Nature, like, I, w- what am I going to, like, that's a great way to make an argument. Well, Mother Nature says, Really, where can I go ask her what she thinks now? Do you, do you, oh, well, I, I just I have a direct line with Mother Nature and what Mother Nature wants. Really? You're, you're going to claim Mother Nature on your team? See what they do? Like, I can't claim something of higher authority than this made-up Mother Nature. Mother Nature didn't intend this. Well, I disagree. Maybe you should stop thinking as Mother Nature as something that we're fighting. And instead, look at Mother Nature, Mother Nature, as something that is providing. Maybe God gave us this nice coastline in California so that we could turn all this infinite supply of salt water into drinking water. So maybe Mother Nature absolutely intended as many people to live in California. I can claim that for Mother Nature just as much as you can make up your made-up thing about Mother Nature. But do you see how good of an argument it is that they're making? Because I can't rebuttal the authority of Mother Nature. That's why they say it like that. Anyway, back to this rewilding thing. This annoys the heck out of me. So they want to rewild the rivers. It's called dam busters. So back in World War II, dam busters was a group of uh, British pilots that would fly over Nazi territory and bomb dams, blow them up. So it would uh, hurt the manufacturing of, uh, of the Nazis along the rivers. Today, dam busters are fighting us, right? They're, they're fighting America. They're fighting people. They're fighting California. 
by blowing up dams. This is this is this is the main movement of the environmentalist movement in California right now. This is the main goal is to remove the dams, rewild the rivers, which is so unbelievably arrogant. How do you know what the river should look like? Uh, well, returning the river to its natural state. How do you know what its natural state is? What's the natural state of a river? How, how do you how, how how arrogant do you have to believe that you know what that is? Give me an example. How were the Great Lakes formed? How were the Great Lakes formed? Glaciers. So what's the natural state of Michigan? An iceberg? So I, I honestly think what is the natural state of Michigan? Or the piece of land that we now call Michigan. <laughs> the, the Sahara Desert used to be lush with trees and grass and animals and people. What's the natural state of the Sahara Desert? Is it desert or jungle? What's the natural state? Come on, return it to its natural state. Or is this its natural state? The continents used to be connected for the love of Pete. So what's the natural state? Like, it doesn't even make any sense to talk about what the natural state of a river is. It's the same arrogance that they have when people say, well, the, the planet is a degree warmer than, than it should be. It should be? How do you know what the planet should be? How do you know what the planet of the temperature should be? Oh, well, it's the average of the last 150 years since we've been uh, calculating. How do you, well, so? 150 years. It's a pretty small sample size compared to the uh, the age of the Earth. So we're going to base everything off of whatever you think the temperature should be. Unbelievable arrogance. So even the very core of what the river should, you know, returning into its natural state. Well, is its natural state? I'm making this number up. A hundred gallons per minute rolling down the river, or a thousand gallons per minute, or maybe no water. Maybe no water is its natural state. Like you don't you have no idea. You're just making it up. And that's what's frustrating, especially because it passes as science these days. All right, one last example of uh, felony versus misdemeanor. The, the neglect of the felony of important things requires the rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor, less important things. So while our water infrastructure is completely crumbling, the mayor of Los Angeles, Garcetti, who's a total clown, is is launching an effort to lower the temperature of Los Angeles. I'm not joking. Climate change is so bad that he wants to to fight it by lowering the temperature of Los Angeles as if there's just one giant air conditioner. Well, we can't use air conditioners because we don't have electricity. So because asphalt retains so much heat, the goal is to add cool pavement that reflects light which I guarantee you will cause more harm than good because the reflected light's probably going to shine back up into the buildings, making the buildings hotter. People will have to turn on more AC, right? There's going to be so many unintended consequences of that. And then cool roofed buildings. There was a suggestion a few years back in California to paint all the roofs white. That'll make the roofs cooler or something. And now that got laughed away pretty quickly, but here LA is doing the same thing. So the mayor of Los Angeles has pledged to reduce the temperature by three degrees over the next 20 years. So a team of 20 scientists have been assembled to figure out how to make this happen. Okay. So stupid. The felony, meaning the more important thing, is water and electricity. If we had more water and electricity, then we'd be fine. We could stand a few more degrees. 
and it wouldn't matter. And it's all relative to downtown Los Angeles. It's hotter than 95 degrees, 22 days a year. Whatever. We can handle that. It's not humid at all either. So big deal. It's way worse than when I used to live in Tennessee and it's 90 degrees with 100% humidity. That's infinitely worse. You want to know why people die from extreme heat? They don't have air conditioner. Why not? Because electricity is too expensive. So cheaper electricity would solve any health problems related to hot temperatures. But the left won't have that. Instead, they're tearing down nuclear power plants for no reason. Other than they're, they want electricity to be expensive. Amazing. And here with water, we have these giant threats with the, 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 the stinking dam may break, but we're ignoring that felony, that important thing for the rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. We're going to paint roofs white and have reflective asphalt. What a total joke. That's California. one 888 So again, just remember that line. The neglect of the felony, important thing, requires the rigid prosecution of the misdemeanor. California in a nutshell. 888-900-3393. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network. generation of talk radio this is mike slater we got criminals let out on the street but heaven forbid your ice cream shop puts one too many chairs out on the outside patio right <laughs> you're gonna get the book thrown at you but prisoners are gonna be let out we'll spend billions on a not very high-speed rail that no one wants or needs but we're not gonna spend a dime repairing or heaven forbid building new dams or water storage I want to share a story here about willful ignorance and how willful ignorance is is a life or death matter. This is a story of if we pretend it's not happening, then maybe it won't. Have you ever heard of the Spanish flu? The Spanish flu uh, was just after World War I. So just coming out of 1914, 1918, um, well, 50 million casualties worldwide, 9 million soldiers and 7 million civilians killed. Do you know why they call it the Spanish flu? Started in Spain, probably, right? Nope. We're actually not sure where it started. The first known case was in Kansas. Maybe it started in France. There's a theory it started in China, but it definitely was not Spain. So why is it called the Spanish flu? After World War I, morale in the world was pretty low and morale in America. There was a law passed in 1917 that said newspapers can't print anything that might hurt people's morale. Don't print anything that might make people sad or demoralize people. And if you break that, then you can face up to 20 years in jail. That was the censorship law. And countries in Europe had the same law. So no one reported on this disease. 
Why? Because it was easily spread and there was no known cure. So if you report on it, you may be accused of breaking the morale law. Now, Spain was actually neutral during World War I. So they had no censorship law. So their press reported about this flu in great detail. And then the king came down with it too. So people all around the world read about this flu, but only in Spanish newspapers. So everyone assumed that it started there because no one else was talking about it. Only people in Spain were talking about it. And actually people in Spain thought it came from France. They called it the French flu. And it's still in Spanish history books today. It's called the French flu. It didn't start in Spain, though. They were, the, they were just the only people who were allowed to talk about it. Here in America, you weren't. 1918, September 1918, the El Paso Herald, vicious rumors of influenza epidemic. Just, oh, just vicious rumors will be combated. That's all they were, vicious, epi- or vicious rumors. There was a, a parade in Philadelphia, and there was a doctor who begged the newspapers to warn people about gathering in close quarters, and no newspaper did. 117 people got the disease. By the end of the month, 759 people in Philadelphia died. And ultimately, between 20 and 50 million people died all around the world. 675,000 Americans were killed, more than in the war. And it was never cured. They never found a cure, it just went away. I just think that's a wild story because the media, at the time through censorship, but I'm sure a lot of it also was their own desire, just didn't want to share certain bad news. And I feel like today, or at least in the last eight years, there was a sort of self-censorship, right? Not a lot of attention paid to the bombs that Obama dropped on people with drones across the Middle East. So it's like it never happened, right? Well, let's not talk about this flu and we'll pretend it's not happening. It's still happening. It's very much still happening. Well, let's not talk about these bombs that were dropped on people. Uh, like it, 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 it happened. And now, sort of in the opposite way, we have a media that that's, has an overabundance of fake news, just hysterical news. And I guess that would be the equivalent of, instead of what flu, it would be, everyone's going to die of the flu tomorrow. <laughs> right? And it's like the other extreme to the point where you get a boy cried wolf phenomenon where no one's paying attention at all. How interesting. So just to bring it back to California, our politicians, our media choose to ignore important things. This is true in D.C. as well. Choose to ignore important things. And then you get things that smack you in the face like the Oroville Dam. And you're like, oh, I guess if we ignore it, it doesn't mean it just went away. Mike Slater Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network.